broadcasting from a dark basement office. The FBI's most unwanted presents the X-Files podcast. The hits just keep on coming this week on the X-Files podcast, Josh. Do you know that there were some uh, there were some pretty interesting moments in Max, of course, the follow-up to Tempest Fug It. <laughs> And, yes, uh, the temporarily extended X Files podcast. Go ahead. <laughs> temporarily extended, dude. There's a lot happening. The chat is already doing their thing. BP nine thousand. By the way, a man who carried you through basic training. I just want to let you know, <laughs> with his constant show notes and factoids. Yes, has decided to tell you that he just came from the hospital trying to put Agent Pendrel out of his misery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here I was. Do you feel betrayed at this or or what? The agent pile to his Joker and and yet <laughs> and yet here comes the sock party. Here comes the sock party. Yeah. Here comes the sock party. And just when I you will get- also share this. <laughs> Speaking of BP in his in his homework. So BP sends me some show notes. Some. Here Not comes a- the downplay. Here comes the downplay. So- so here it goes. Now that you're a scorned lover, BP, <laughs> here comes the shitstorm of how you suck and he's amazing. No, 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 no. This isn't even about bad. This isn't about being bad at it. This is about just, just the spite, mm-hmm. the spite, the gall. Okay. This is how it starts. Notes for Max. Last episode of Agent Pedro. Like factual. Just and then moves on to the next thing. Last episode of Agent Pedro. That's all he said. That's all he said. Needed to be reminded. No, he oh, said. Oh boy, that right. actually. That. So it was last episode of Agent Pedro. Brendan Beiser, who plays the ill-fated Agent Pedro, was deeply upset when he read the script of this episode and realized that he was going to get killed off. Then BP says, chimes in, editorializes. That should cover all the important details. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that Agent Pedro. What's the guy's name? Brendan Beiser. Brendan Beiser seems like a real agent Pendrel, doesn't he? He <laughs> <laughs> doesn't know when to say goodbye. <laughs> oh my God. That's, awesome. <sighs> That's some deep meta shit, man. No wonder he got the role. <laughs> kind of a character actor. Kind of a, yeah. Hey, I, uh, I'm, I, I'm what you call a method, you see. <laughs> Except it didn't require much effort for me. I just looked in the mirror and I knew how he felt. Uh, you know, hey, I don't want to bury the lead, so I'm not gonna. You know, I didn't know his first name, Mulder. Oh, God. Fuck, this episode is brutal. She's real broken up about it. <laughs> she is actually yeah. pretty broken up she about it. She seems really upset. She's looking She's like, I didn't longingly even- <laughs> into the stars. And in, in, in thinking of Mulder's gift. <laughs> dude that scene you know that scene reminds me of every dm who's like yeah i didn't think that was the lore but it's better than what i wrote <laughs> that, that's Mulder. he's uh, just go, like wow i didn't think of it that, that way yeah yeah no kidding yeah. that's exactly why i thought of it when i bought it for you when you're thinking about it so that dead guy <laughs> whose first name you didn't know who died coldly but listen a couple things Scully, you're the most qualified person to administer life-saving aid, and you run outside with your pistol. God, Jesus, she's tough. How about this? She's tough, boy. All right, listen. (laughs) We love Agent Scully around here. We love Jillian Anderson. Uh Okay, if you are going to engage someone with your service weapon, 
You put a round into them. You've got a victim down on the floor, an Amer- you know, obviously an American hero, and you've got the bad guy with a bullet in his leg. Either, okay, you get tough choice to make. You either ensure <laughs> that the bad guy is down, confirm yeah, the I don't tango think it was is a down, tough choice. or or render first aid to the suspect or, or to the victim. She kind of does neither. Okay. Mm-hmm. She she just takes her eyes off the guy holding a pistol with a gunshot wound to his fucking quad. And then, you know, she is a medical doctor, I think. The, I That's think what I the thought, best, too. That's what I thought, the, too. You learn this in your second year residency. The best care for a gunshot wound is to let it breathe. Yeah, you want to no just pressure. pop open that shirt and just you need some airflow. You don't want pressure. <laughs> you don't want you don't want anything just kind of. There it is. Just Let, grab a know. piece of, you know, PVC pipe and just jam it in there. There's, you know, there's natural <laughs> bacteria in the air that'll probably get in there and stabilize it. So, good job. Did Scully. he really take a turn for the worse? I mean, he was conscious. He, <laughs> he went down real quick. This sounds like a real JFK, like, man, was his head that bad when he got to the hospital? <laughs> <laughs> or were they rummaging around in there? You know, cool. while we're while we're talking about Agent Pendrel, before we move on to the episode proper, she couldn't I did commit, promise. Wait, wait, wait. She didn't commit to life rendering aid. She, she, she didn't. No. No. She didn't. No. She's embarrassed. I, I actually dare say her medical license should be under review. <laughs> I mean, you, if we're being honest. You don't dare revoke it, though, huh? <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I, I don't think I'm qualified. <laughs> but I would take a closer look at a thing or two. And I hope Skinner probably is. That's probably his first priority, I think, in this mm-hmm. situation. Nope. Yeah. Well, he was like, what? he's like, what's that guy's name? <laughs> Does he work for us? <laughs> I don't believe it. Show me his credentials. Oh, all right. <laughs> Airlift him. <laughs> Get him out of here. He's not sure, though, right? He's just like, hmm. <laughs> She's, uh, Scully's covered in Pendra's blood. Yeah. Which makes... Skinner, the best investigator ever, because he's like, you're bleeding. Like, yeah, that's fucking, a guy got shot in a bar. He died on a fucking bad wooden floor, a sticky beer, a beer sticky floor. <laughs> <laughs> There's blood all over my face because he shot me. Shitty bar in Arlington. It's a hell of a way to go. I do want to shout out um, listener, relatively new to the uh, Facebook group. No oh boy. Uh, Savannah Woshik. Yes. I'm, I'm terrible with Polish names. Um, she had a great, uh, comment for this week's episode, but last week's episode, she put a comment. I think it was after, it was too late to get to it on the live show, sure. but, um, she posted a wonderful, wonderful oh boy. link to agent Pendrel gone, but not forgotten with a really, really lovely photo gallery. A lot of nice stuff, phrases, a shrine. There's a nice little shrine to Pendrel there. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, I got to be honest with you, buddy. Can I just can you can you fire up taps? Yeah, that yeah, that on cue, right? I definitely don't. And I'm looking at this quote shrine. <laughs> Agent Pendrel it passed away suddenly the morning of February 26th at the age of 33, shot in the line of fire by an unknown assassin. He is survived by Special Agent Dana, Dana K. Scully and her partner, survived Special by. Agent Fox W. Mulder. Wait a minute. 
please feel free to pay your respects in the form below. So we'll put that in the show notes to make also, sure that everybody has an opportunity hey, to. It's probably not going in the show notes, but address that. You, it will be in the show notes. <laughs> also, of the EX files. Is that the moment where Scully's like, oh my God, his service was today? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so dark. Did I send flowers? Ah, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Mm. Uh, can we get this to go? <laughs> <laughs> fuck, man. God damn it. Poor Pendrel. Um, so I, I, I promised. I promised we wouldn't spend the whole time talking about Pendrel. So we'll move on. Well, hey, you promised. <laughs> I didn't promise you anything. <laughs> <laughs> also, the military can arrest a civilian? Why don't you just have the FBI arrest him? Oh, no. No. Is that how that works? Uh, sure. <laughs> sure. Hey, the Joint Chief said arrest the civilian. <laughs> okay. That's true. They sent right. the MPs to do it. Um, hmm. This episode, is, how do you want to, do you want to talk about, well, he, he, it's a two-parter. Mm. So kind of, should we maybe hold off? Because I did want to talk about this uh, collectively as a two-parter, but that sure. probably may be better to leave that for the end. That's fine with me. I think that makes more sense. I have a terrible memory, so. Okay. Do you remember the last episode? Ended in the lake. I do. We pick up on a lake, mm-hmm. and here we are. So before we get get into it too much. I, can, I, can I just make one addendum? Just because controlling the narrative is important, Josh. And I know you understand this. <clears throat> and I'm just looking over Savannah Wojcik's post. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I don't need you to editorialize, really. I think we'll, Literally what needs to just, be said was hey, said. Real quick, just going to say the facts. <laughs> so, well, you know, I mean, you have your truth, I guess. <laughs> Here are the facts. Back in high school, when I was watching the show for the first time with my friend, she loved Pendrel. Hot potato! <laughs> Hot potato! <laughs> she didn't say she loved Pendrel, but she did post it, so there is that. Anyway. So yeah, um, okay. Yeah. It ended in a lake. His name was Sean Pendrell. <laughs> he had bitch tits. All right. His name was Sean Pendrell. <laughs> Say his name. Stop saying so, that. What do you think about Max? I love him. I want to hug him. As, a, as the person or the episode? Oh, the person. The titular okay. Max. The titular Max. Yeah. Um, I like the episode a lot. Okay. Yep. All right. I think it's it, it plays great off of the first one. Obviously, you can't. It's tough to judge it by itself, which is difficult. But no, I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I liked that. Um, I don't know. There's just a bunch of cool shit here. I like. I like that we 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 sort of break down the we 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 simplify what could have been some of the plot points from the first episode, and we kind of drill it down in a way that. They almost telegraphed in a good way, and then we kind of wrap it up the right way, I feel, as if. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a question for you, because I think you were like, yeah, Max Fennig, kind of remember, whatever. Seeing seeing more of him in the second uh, episode, because the funny thing is, in the first episode, he's one of the most important characters, but he has about, I think, like 15 seconds of screen time and doesn't have a single line. Yes. So we get to actually interact with Max a little bit more the second time mm-hmm. around. Did it did it kind of cue your memory at all? Do you remember him from like early X-Files? So I don't, but here's why I think this episode works for me. Because they made him so endearing and innocent. And it, and it makes you kind of feel like this poor fuck. Like he was, 
no one was ever going to believe him. He was kind of in over his head. And he kind of has this like gentle soul thing going on. That's kind of how I felt watching it. And I was like, oh, it made me feel a little bit more for Max, even though it didn't jog my memory enough from early stuff because I just watched too much shit for these fucking podcasts. <laughs> so like it's real it's a real mess in there i can barely remember the shit i'm supposed to remember so so recalling old episodes is difficult unless i've unless it's shit i've seen a thousand times which is what i typically rely on and i just can't yep. with x files but i thought they made him you know they gave him a little bit they they want you to they want you the moment in the trailer is great because because Mulder is like kind of beside himself you can tell he's upset another another good shit out of Duchovny this week and in and at the same time, Gillian Anderson's brilliant insofar as that when she is watching this and he starts in on the conspiratorial stuff, she kind of has an eye roll, but like a sympathetic one, like a, oh man, like, cause you know how she is with that shit. And it made him feel kind of like a real guy. Like I, I was like, oh, this is the Max guy. And it was done. And I think in a clever way from a writing standpoint, because we're showing you we're showing you the fucking, like, we're showing you this guy without using flashbacks. We're showing you through evidence left behind, a VH, VH, VHS tape, which, by the way, if you're throwing it in that trailer, you're really rolling dice as to what you might be seeing. <laughs> in that trailer? <laughs> you might be watching 8mm for real. But, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was nice. I, I, I like Mac. I liked the Max character. I felt some semblance of sympathy for him because we got to know him a little bit, which was one of my issues with uh, Kadish, right? Is that the name of it? Yeah. We never really got guy, to know the victim. As a guy that couldn't get laid in high school, the character of Max really strikes you as a character that was written probably by a guy who couldn't get laid in high school. Because everybody's That's true. Look, That's true. They're yeah. looking to make that sympathetic kind of sad nerd guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it works. He's... Like he's so earnest and heartfelt, correct, and like sad, and you know it's funny, man. Like this episode isn't a bummer. Like in a way, we've talked about episodes that are bummer, jail bummer, fucking or bummer. you know, fucking like things are just like a bummer, and you don't get into it. This episode isn't a bummer, but there's some there's some fucking sadness to this episode. Yeah, and that's that comes at the behest of Max, and 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 I don't know this Scott Bellis guy. I don't know how to say his name, but there's something endearing about the way he has this vulnerability to him, and you want to believe him. And there's this fragility, but also balance against some kind of probably mental illness, even if mild. And it's this perfect mix of you. You kind of just want to reach out and hug the guy, you know, and be like, we're going to, and that's, that's what I feel a lot of out of Mulder in this because Mulder, I think Mulder, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and speculate here, which is what we do on this podcast and all podcasts to be frank. It's this, I think Mulder could easily see himself as this guy had he taken different paths in life, you know, like feeling the same way, having an awkwardness to him having a way about him that's difficult to interact with others. And in Max's death strikes him as, you know, it's like, he, I think there's part of Mulder that's like, this is my people, man. Like, this is my guy. This is, this is me. This is part of me, this guy dying. Uh, just getting ground up in this conspiracy, which fucking sucks. Dude, the, 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 the shot where Mulder is watching when we first get that VHS tape in there and it starts playing 
and it's Mulder's like face reflected on the screen yep. and then his his you know face close up his reaction with you know the light of the the you know the tape playing off it it yep. does that so fucking well yep. it shows you and the company is does it great like yeah. there is so clearly like beyond just i feel bad for this guy like a connection of this is a this is a kindred spirit for sure and and scully jokes about it kind of but then says some insightful shit you know like when they first walk in that trailer you know you know people that on their quest alone blah 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 whatever um and, and it's kind of an it, it, it's played not as like a haha joke but kind of a, a playful banter but there's a truth to it correct and it it really hammers home in that shot when he's watching the tape. And I think that's a cool, um, it's a cool credit to the character of Max who, um, and actually this, this leads me, there's, there's a couple of listener comments. I might want to pepper, pepper in as we, as we go along. Cause there's some real moments when they're, um, they're relevant. There was one here from, um, I should, I'm actually looking for, I think it was from, Nicole. Yes. Who's talking about um Scully watching the tape. Max. It's like the fifth line down. Yeah. Okay. So um this is from uh Nicole Frazier, um, who says uh at sixteen I was so she talks about actually growing up pretty close to where this was set. Um I guess they shot some B roll here, but it's where it was supposedly supposed to be, which is upstate New York. Um <clears throat> but she says uh at 16, I was pretty disappointed in this two-parter. I felt like an attempt at a mythology app without actually including any revelations or mythology. 25 years later, I have a new appreciation for the time spent saying goodbye to Max Fennig. Back then, a TV show could afford to spend two episodes and the money on sets and production on a first season side character just for the hell of it. Mm-hmm. Is there another character in X-Files who played a, such a seemingly small role, arguably even forgettable, only to come back and go out again without a bang? Uh, go out again with a bang. I don't think Max's story gets made in today's current TV climate of 10 to 13 episode seasons. Do we need Max Fennec for the X-Files to make sense? No. But Max is an example of how much the writers love their characters. They thought about what these blips of characters were doing outside of the episodes they appeared in. It created a more complete X-Files world and we're all the better for it. Well, except for Pendrel. Fair enough. Um, But uh, that's a fucking, that's a great comment because it really like, yeah, this he was in one episode in fucking season one, like pretty early on. Deep throat or not? Not deep throat. It was um, oh shit, I'm blanking on the the name of the episode that that he first appeared in. It's the one with the the downed UFO. But mm. I will I will come back to it. Um, but he was you know kind of a you know iconic ish early character. But here you are, three seasons later, the show is crushing it. And to turn around and, and use him, what do you think about what Nicole said there? Like, do you think this was... I have a lot to say about this. All right. So here's what I... First of all, great comment, Nicole, and uh, welcome newish-ish to the Facebook group, I guess is what we determined here. But uh, awesome, well-thought-out comment. Uh, so the one thing I want to say about this is on the uh, Kirking Off podcast, which is... Fallen podcast, Angel. Thank you. Sorry. Gary Curry. Fallen Angel was the episode. Damn, he just walked on my fucking pitch. <clears throat> the Kirking Off podcast, which I do with Nathan, which is, uh, we cover Star Trek. One of the things that Nathan has been kind of pointing out and kind of bemoaning is this idea like, this probably could have been a two-parter. And he said that more than once. And it's funny, Nicole brings this up in X-Files, a similar time period, similar structure, 20-some-odd episodes. 
And I agree with Nathan that there, there, there could have been two parters with some of these seemingly even more popular than Max characters with these little arcs that they could have done to really showcase uh, something interesting and different. And, uh, and they do have some, but they could have used a lot more. So I definitely agree with Nicole here. I do agree that I like the idea that they don't just have the budget, but they have the time to take a guy like Max, give him two episodes, and to, and to indicate their love and respect for this kind of character. You know, a bunch of writers that are writing the X-Files, let's, let's get meta. A bunch of writers writing the X-Files probably idealize themselves in Mulder and probably see themselves more as Max realistically. And, and there could be this connection to, to the writing insofar as you write, you write what you know. And hey, maybe Chris Carl's like, I kind of was this guy. Or maybe whoever was helping write this episode or whatever fucking, you know, whatever PR didn't get credit for some idea through the whiteboard. And, and I don't know. I, I like this. I, I like this discussion she's put forth because a beloved character getting a second episode is very interesting. And it shows passion for the material and trust from the production that it's going to be good because at the end of the day, we're still showcasing our talent. We're still show, we're still riding the backs of Jillian and the company and, and, and Max gets the send off he needs without being the focal point of the episode. So I think that's the key, right? This isn't going to be a, all right, get Max, put the camera on him. Let's follow him around for a half hour and pepper and Mulder and Scully. No, that's not going to work. But, but give him proper due. Express the care that we have for this character and, and, and evoke emotion out of the viewer by suggesting how these people feel about him. And this is something I talk about a lot. Um, one of the things I've always loved about Game of Thrones was, was when it was really good, it was observing characters interact with other characters in determining what they may think about said character. And how it might be different about what we think about said character and how we might come around on said character's opinions of, the, uh, of, the, of, the, of that character in question. And I've always liked that about writing. I've always liked – I love POV writing. I love, I love getting into people's heads and kind of understanding stuff. And, and there's just a little piece of this, this little piece of the side character that I don't remember. But it comes off in many ways. How does he look? How does he act? Clutching his bag – feeling like he's this sensitive guy that seems like a nice guy, like a genuine good soul. And it sucks to see these dudes go after him. I am a sucker for an underdog and Max is the ultimate fucking underdog. And he just stands no chance against the powers that be. And you're just rooting for him to get away when sadly, you know, that just isn't the case. And, uh, and yeah, I, I love, I love this part of the arc. And, uh, and I think that's why I really like this episode. I think it's really fucking good. Dude, that's great. <clears throat> and I think um, listening to you talk about Max and, and just how the show plays it, and it's it, it kind of makes me think it it goes beyond Mulder just identifying with Max. And, it, and if anything, I'm glad they didn't overplay it. For sure. But you could say, almost say maybe they underplayed it. I think part of Mulder's pain here is that not only is there kinship, but you talk about Max as the underdog. What you just said that, you know, mm-hmm. what fucking chance did he have against these powers? You know, the he literally, he's being abducted by aliens, the fucking government, like everything's after him. Nobody believes him. He, he's kind of comes off obviously like a wackadoo. And if there's anybody that Mulder could feel like when Max says in the tape about how disbelievers and 
you know, nobody believes him. Well, maybe some people. Yeah. Heavy pause. Obviously, fucking Fox Mulder is one of those believers. That's got to fucking hit him hard to know that at the end of the day, he couldn't protect Max. Yes. Even though he knew what he was exposed to, the things he'd experienced and, you know, whatever that, that, you know, personal failure. And I don't think the episode really focuses on that, but I do think that that is, uh, like, is that a piece of the character element that's going on here? Yeah. Um, and you know, maybe even the third dynamic there, Josh, is this idea of what has always been Mulder's fucking bugaboo. It's these cocksuckers and their goddamn obfuscation of the truth. In, in no matter no matter what the cause they're like the they are the they, they are the antimatter to <laughs> Mulder's matter of anything for the truth right they're they're so they're so conversely the opposite of him and and it's just he's like here we go again you know even if it wasn't max max adds a personal element to it kindred spirits as we've discussed a kinship but it's also that fucking thing that he's just sick of these bastards covering up the truth and he gets mad and passionate about it and here we go again it's the yeah. same old story. Yeah, it's a um I guess at the end of the day, if you if you have to call this episode something, you'd call it a Mulder episode. Sure. You know, if you're gonna if you want call to it that, a Mulder. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't seems insufficient, an, doesn't it? It does. I think there's enough going on with both of them. There's enough connection between the two of them. There's enough stuff going on with other characters. And I love what you said about, you know, how how enjoyable it is to watch a show and watch not just characters to interact, but to to learn more about a character you love by them interacting with another character or what yes. they learning about how they might feel about another character. It makes me think of role-playing games, right? Sure. Drink, drink. Um, you know how rewarding it is as, as a, as a DM when you get a great, you know, off the cuff interaction between two PCs or even, you know, between a PC and an NPC one that, you know, almost especially when it's an NPC, like, which is a good example of this, like Max Fennig, side character, whatever, that character that allows everyone to get illumination on an important character, mm. right? We learn more about Mulder and we experience shit through Mulder because of Max, right? Because of this character that ultimately doesn't matter in the, in the grand scheme of things, right? In the, in right, the big, here, here. You're suggesting the inverse is the truth as well. Once we we don't just learn about the one character, we learn about both characters, and that's absolutely yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't say this up front, but I fucking love this episode. Yeah, it's really I, good. I think it's incredibly solid, and I think it is a. Um, you know, I'm not going to say it's the best two parter of the show. I don't think it is, but it is a just a textbook case. If I want to point somebody towards. Here's a two-parter in the X-Files where the first one sets some shit up. You have a lot of mythology elements, and yet, you know, the mythology, like, you it, you don't need a lot of the specifics. You don't get lost in the mythology of, like, who's who and what's what. You just know, like, the mustache man is a bad guy, and there's government shit going on, and it's not even a specific plan. It's just this thing, this particular event. And then the second episode takes what the first episode set up and it doesn't just the cliffhanger if anything is almost irrelevant there is no cliffhanger the cliffhanger is hey we only have an hour we, or we only have 43 minutes to del deliver the show we need a cut point it's not like a true cliffhanger in the sense of like everything builds up to this moment and then the next moment i mean there is a cliffhanger 
of some sense because Mulder discovers the alien spacecraft. Um, and it's unresolved and everything. But else. it's yeah, but it's really more of just a continuation of the same thing, and then some sure. really well earned shit in that and in, in the second episode. The, the 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 whole recreation of what happened, dude. Right? Like this, can we talk about this? Please, dude. This is the sequence of the season, and I'm going to go on record and tell you I don't know a better one than this show up to this point of the show. It's fucking incredible. And it's fucking Kim Manners. It's not my guy Bowman. And this is this is incredible. Dude, it starts at 20 minutes and 51 seconds, somewhere in there. And I was completely mesmerized. I thought, this looks amazing. Of course, when you see Max shaking, you feel sympathy. You want to help him. You, you, you feel horrible for this guy. And when he lifts out of his seat, and the plane is frozen in place, and he gets pulled out with amazing practical effects. The, the guy's gun doesn't shoot. He looks like evil Jeremy Piven. And, and as this guy gets pulled out of the plane in his fucking Converse and his goddamn, <laughs> his flannel, and he's just getting dragged, and, it's, and they look out the window. Dude, it's mesmerizing. That deep shot of the opening of where the door has been blown out, and he just is getting dragged through the air. Dude, I went, holy fuck, this is incredible. I, I, dude, I know there's a bunch of great shit in this, in this show from a shooting perspective. God knows that I have grabbed the whole of the fucking Bowman shaft and said, you like that? <laughs> so many fucking times. But I'm telling you right now, I don't know of a sequence that's better in this show up to this point than this one. I'll go beyond that to say it's a one-two punch of two of the best sequences because that sequence is fucking amazing. God, when he gets his head tilted back. And then the crash. Yeah. The actual crash, like this whole thing of leading up to the incident. I mean, I guess you could kind of call it all one big thing and maybe that's what you're saying. But they kind of feel Um, like two separate things. I'm kind of saying it, but I'm definitely more focusing on Max as he's dragged out, dragged back in, and then just gets fucking zipped out of the plane. I was like, dude, whoa. The speed of him getting pulled oh, back out wild. is such a, and it just juxtaposes so well on the slow. The gentleness, yeah. 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 And then it's just, poof, poof, gone. And, 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 and what I love about that is that's the fucking, that juxtaposition, the, the, the it's not, it's, you wouldn't say it's metaphorical, but because it's quite literally what's happening, but just the juxtaposition of these aliens, we're going to take him gently. And then the introduction of humanity and the violence that ensues when humanity gets involved. Right. The, the time they take with this crash sequence yeah, for something that they want you we, to feel it, dude, we, we knew in the first two part episode, we knew in the first 10 minutes or five minutes of the first episode that this plane crashes and everyone on board dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Like if you told somebody that and then you told them, hey, halfway through the second part of this two-parter, we're going to like really focus in on the plane crash. And you'd be like, well, like why? Like we all fucking know what's going to happen. We've already seen it. I know the answer, I think, but keep going. But it's fucking so worth it, man. It's so worth it. Dude, the shots of hands being held, of like mothers <laughs> holding children, of the fucking guys in the tower. Yeah. Everybody, all the setup from the first episode 
all the shit we already, you know, we don't really get mustard fresh, like the, the, the air, air traffic control, air force guy. We don't even get a ton of the inspector. Uh, we get a little bit and we'll, we'll talk about it some, a bit. I'm, I'm sure, you know, but the, the weight we talked the last time, the weight of this whole crash of the lives lost, whatever. And it really fucking delivers like that fucking scene. Um, and I do, I'm going to read my second of two listener comments. I wanted to read during the episode. Um, another relative, uh, Facebook X-Files newbie, Cecilia says, um, uh, the episode that shows the full plane crash, but that scene stuck with me. People screaming, holding hands, praying as it goes down. I can't remember seeing anything before that that showed that realistic of a plane crash. Mm-hmm. Also, I felt so bad for Max. I can't imagine getting taken that many times and then for all this to happen. Yep. Um, it, it is pretty fucking visceral for the X-Files. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. A couple things, dude. Good shit. Yes. It's, it is the, the contrast in gentleness as you said, you maybe didn't need to do this, right? But we have to contrast the gentleness. And if you watched the episode before this one, which is likely the case, you needed to be reminded as to why this plane went down and the horror that ensues. And it's interesting that it comes in the second or third act, which I guess is more five-act structure, this TV stuff. But when we have, <laughs> we're, you know, we're deep into this. We're, we're, we're rolling towards the middle port of part of the second half. We're getting to the end of this. And now we're going to show this just to remind people about this. But the contrasting of the gentleness highlighted against the horror and how we then show that this was, you know, this was a, a, a kind of a horrible mistake. That's the other thing I like about this. And I will say this, the, the plane crash is amazing and it's incredible for the reasons you stated, which I will not repeat. But you know what it also does? It also shows you how good Bowman's shots of the wreckage was, doesn't it? Because Bowman is like, this is going to make you feel the horror of a plane crash without me having to show you the horror of a plane crash. But we did need to see the plane crash after the abduction. So it all works out in this perfect triumvirate of these three amazing sequences that really indicate Mm. to us how this is going to play out. But after seeing the crash scene and going, wow, this is this is this is scary and frightening and visceral, and we know it's TV, and this is a budget, and guys getting fucking slid along floors, women praying, put the mask on, and people holding hands. You know, it's like holy fuck, this is intense, man. Nobody wants to go. This is a horror. This is everybody's horror when they sit down, and the fucking turbulence starts. Everyone understands this. Everyone understands this horror. It's crazy. Fuck yeah, fucking good shit. Yeah, it's great, man. Yeah, it really uh, it earns that payoff. And you know, just speaking of, there's a couple other things I want to get to, but sure, it, it is refreshing. I'll say in a way that the episode doesn't. It does resolve a bunch of shit. Like we know by the end of this episode, we know what happened with with this crash, right? That that that's a hang up. Sometimes we've talked about with X Files mythology of like. You know, for everything you add, you have to add more that's not answered. Or, or I'm sorry, what's a better way to say that? I get what for, you're saying. Yeah. For anything you answer, you have to add more questions, right? Because that's yeah. the whole point. Every answer of, should lead to two questions. It's, it's very, yeah, if you were trying to write yeah. conspiracy and mystery. Which it, it does, yeah, and we'll get to it. But, you know, it's nice to get the payoff of, mm-hmm. as, a, as a viewer, you know what happened in this incident. Sure. Like, you're, you're pretty confident. We know going you know, in. 
we know going in about the horror part of it, the, yes. the plane and the. But but you know how, like how this plane got brought down. You know why Max was on that plane. You know how it got tracked. We understand uh, Sergeant Fresh, uh-huh. right? That his role. Yep. We know about the F fifteen, like the 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 false story that the Air Force puts out. We get that debunked. We see what you know ultimately really happened. It, it all adds up. So it is. It's nice sometimes to get a fucking real answer and to get it. Yeah, like that yes. is like because, the X Files isn't a show about answers, but sometimes it's nice to walk away and be like, "Okay, that's what fucking happened." Right? Because if not, you get into the dangerous territory of thinking that it's utterly pointless from a writing standpoint. <laughs> right. And you have to avoid pointless writing because if I'm just going to watch people get get outfoxed at every turn then I'm really kind of just watching my agents react to the machinations of the powers that be, and I never get the payoff for the tension that is built. And that's just bad writing, yeah. right? That you, 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 <laughs> when you see that, you're just like, okay, writer, you've outfoxed me again. This is stupid. <laughs> like, it's not, and, it, and it's goofy. That's why you do have to, there has to be tension and resolution and then the reintroduction of continuation. Otherwise, what are we doing? It goes back to the uh, role-playing reference, drink. Like the fucking DM who has the, you know, the villain who just always gets away. Yeah. Who you the, the heroes never get, the PCs never get to really beat him because the DM likes the, the villain so much that mm-hmm. they're just always going to find a way out. Or, or, yes, exactly. Or even more pernicious is you are doing all these investigations and you're turning up pointless clues that ultimately lead to nothing. Mm. Like, what are we doing? Why am yeah. I playing this game? Why am I watching this show? <laughs> what the yeah. fuck? We get it. You've outfoxed us. Cool. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. Another point, actually, BP just mentioned the chat, um, especially with the so many deaths. Great When line. Scully points out that the plane is on the ground and still killing people. Great fucking line. Another way to add, I mean, it's so cool for a fucking show. Like, okay, a plane crashes, a bunch of nameless characters die. Like the show isn't about plane crashes, the X Files. They really get a lot of heaviness out of killing literally nameless, faceless people. Yeah, Harper touches on that. I think them showing what should truly happen illustrates the gravity of Max's death and fight for the future. A hundred percent. It's also a stark reminder after a week of being away and having a life and coming back to a program that's rebroadcasting. Like, hey, remember this? Now really look, and now you understand the gravity of Max's death, and as she said, the fight for the future. It's a good point. I like that. Yeah. That's good, man. Well, um, I kind of wanted to... A couple of good sequences in this too, by the way, but yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit about, we were talking about that part of it, but the the cloak and daggery elements. Yes. We love cloak and dagger shit. For sure. Spycraft. How did you feel about the cloak and dagger in this one, which is, I guess, almost all Mulder based? Yes. Right, for the um, most part? Yeah, I think so. It never felt overly convoluted to me. I, I, okay, here's why it's tough, difficult for me to ju- judge this objectively as much as we try. I love. I love a face-to-face where you cannot engage each other directly. I am a sucker for that trope. I don't care if it's, what if you do got me boxed in? I don't care if it's heat and the two guys come together at the cafe. 
if you do something, brother, you are going down. Like that, I <laughs> I fucking love that shit. I love, I love, um, we can't fight here, Highlander, holy ground. And they can just look at each other. I love in Star Wars Phantom Menace when there's a shield between Ben Kenobi and fucking uh, Darth Maul and they're just looking at each other and they can't engage. I love that tension. I love, I love this shit. I love when people... I know I love when arch enemies are face to face and yet they they can't do what nature intends which is tear each other to fucking pieces because of something blocking that. And in and, and this is true here. I like I like this I like that we get to see something from this guy. It's really cool because he suddenly has this intimidation to him. This he seems capable suddenly this guy doesn't he? Even though we've seen him blunder. He seems capable when he sits down. He stares at Mulder. He is staring a hole through Mulder's face. He's looking at him with that fucking Scarrett Selleck combo mustache, <laughs> that fucking evil Sam Elliott look. And he's like, listen, dude, this is what's going to happen. And I'm like, this is awesome. I, this shit is, this fucking speaks to my soul. I love this kind of shit. Um, so I, this part of it, I liked. I like him just kind of like, hey, when the pretty lady comes around for the honey roasted beards. And, and I like, I like the fencing here. I like that this guy, this guy is like sword and shield. I'm standing in front of you and I'm telling you what it, what's what. And Mulder's like, well, I'm kind of the fancy rapier guy and I'm trying to be clever. And he's like, keep coming, bitch. Like, I like that dynamic between these two. Mulder's the quick witted. I'm going to make jokes. And he's just like, hey, I have clarity of purpose. I have my principles and I know what the fuck I'm doing. And I don't care about those little lights winking out of existence because I am standing for something greater, right? The greater good horse shit. And Mulder's just like kind of trying to, he's trying to find holes in the armor and there are zero. And I fucking <laughs> love it. It's great. It's great. It's, I love this shit. Dude, that's cool, man. And, and what a what a relatively unexpected thing for the X-Files. Completely. Like we're, we're so used to the bad guys, the main, like the main characters never really talk to the bad guys, except for, you know, cigarette smoking man or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that. Who always that, has the upper hand, by the way. Always has the upper hand. He's, he's that fucking DM NPC. <laughs> um, <laughs> drink. Uh, but like the, the bad guys that are executing violence in the, in the show almost never have any verbal interaction beyond like a quick shout a thing whatever back and forth for this slow like you said heat this heat this fucking de niro pacino at the fucking diner kind of moment <laughs> they're sitting here i love how fast fucking Mulder calls him on it yep knows like immediately and just is like i have a weapon pointed yeah, at you fucking awesome and that that back and forth by the way side note yeah i think i think you can fucking fire a gun on the plane you know, I, like I think without, a nine millimeter. I think if he put the muzzle on his chest and just pulled the trigger, that's a wrap. I think you're all right there, and I think we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, imagine if he just did that. Speaking of De Niro, he just puts the muzzle on. <laughs> fucking oh, oh, fucking agony, breathing in the seat. I will not hesitate. I will not hesitate. <laughs> There's a flip side to that coin. I am not going back. <laughs> so good. It's oh, dope. It's a fucking. It's a good moment. It's great. And it it because without this moment, what what isn't like, what isn't unexpected necessarily for the show is the showdown that comes after it. Right when he gets sure. out of the bathroom. Sure. It like that's something we've seen before, right? Yeah, yeah, Mulder yeah. or Scully Nothing facing. New. Yeah, but it's cooler 
Because these guys just fucking talked. Of course. That's why the end of Heat is amazing. All right. And Mulder apparently doesn't carry handcuffs on him because he's the best <laughs> FBI agent ever. Also, let me just uh, <laughs> put you in an airplane, airplane bathroom. With a drink That's- cart in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to stop a killer. Oh, he murders then- people. <laughs> And, you think oh, ginger hey. ale is going to stop him? What the fuck, bro? <laughs> hey, by the way, when I think the plane might be about to go down, let me not produce my credentials. I'll walk up to a stewardess and say, I'm a federal know. agent. Tell the pilot to take evasive maneuvers. Yeah, Fox. in a, in a, in a seven forty seven. Fox. Yeah. You're going to barrel roll. I know you have a badge in your pocket. You've <laughs> fucking busted out seven times this episode. Too far. Show her the badge. Ask her to take it to the cockpit very quietly. Whatever. Also, I love the access that the FBI had before the towers came down. He just flashes a badge, takes a gun on the plane, walks around. He's all over the airport. It's just oh, like, that's, okay. That's still real, by the way. You, but but you, don't, you don't think they call that in and check it in or they get a call they ahead don't. of time? Really? They don't. One guy yeah. with a fucking badge can walk in. Yep. With a Onto gun on a plane. plane. Onto a plane. One FBI agent can still do that? That's wild. Uh-huh. Yeah. I guess I'm wrong. Yeah. I stand corrected. Shocked me. I just mm-hmm. like, I have some buddies that are in that world and no, we, I were, know, yeah. we were all flying somewhere together and they went one way. I went the other way. And I was like, I was like, are you, you strapped up? And like, yeah. I was like, what did you have to fucking go through? I was like, they were like, show them my badge. Nice. <laughs> okay. I, I hope they look at it close. No fucking I shit. Hope they really, do they scan it at least or something? There has to be something like that. Not just a visual check. There's yeah, gotta be something guess- that verifies. Because they don't have, yeah, I, th- I do think they run something. It's not just show, but they, right. there's no call ahead or anything. It's, but in 97, it. maybe they didn't fucking verify. Maybe there yeah. wasn't some kind of verification process, which is wild or whatever. They, they, they look at it like the FAA and whatever. What he said is like, it's a win for them because they don't have enough air marshals to be every flight. Of course. So any federal law enforcement mm-hmm. can just fucking, sure. Yeah. Cool. This doesn't look like you. My friend, trust me. Sorry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Take your shoes off. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. That's uh, what, what, what haven't we talked about? We haven't talked about old sister? fucking crazy house Sharon. Old fucking sister sister act? Fucking sister sister act with a nostril game. Hey, weird to... Did they have a romantic relationship? Oh, he fucked her. It's weird to say sister in that situation, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they said sister. It's a friend something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get she's she's trying to she was trying to get on the good graces. It worked, by the way. Mm-hmm. Also, hilarious thing about fucking Mulder will not believe anything that a figure in authority says. But if a crazy person walks up to him and tells him something and then Scully like disproves it. Oh, actually, she was lying. She's in a mental hospital. Mulder's like, what do you mean? It's <laughs> a good point. How is that possible, Scully? Like, okay. <laughs> Does not, so, it doesn't look like anything to me. Fucking Westworld it, over here. <laughs> yeah. It's also like perfect for Mulder's character. Of course, you're going to completely buy in on the fucking wackadoos. Of course. Yeah. But he, no, it, it's fucking dude. <laughs> yeah. He definitely fucked her. But hi, besides, I love Max and he's a gentle, beautiful man. And I don't think he would hurt a fly, but I think with enough coercion, especially if she came to him in the middle of the night crying with a fake black eye and said her dad beat her up. She might be able to convince Max to go there in the middle of the night with a sledgehammer and kill dad. You know, like <laughs> anything for love type of thing. Yeah, he's that kind of guy. Might, maybe, maybe. Maybe. Or Merle's hack his bank account or some shit. But you know, on a semi-serious note, I did kind of feel like as I was watching this episode again, I was like, you know, 
if there's anything to knock or like that could have gotten cut out of the fucking this whole two parter, it's this lady. Like ultimately, mm. like does anything really matter? And then I kind of took it back because I think the final sequence kind of makes it worthwhile. Yeah, she does. Man, she has all kinds of crazy on her face. She, I'm watching this. And I'm like. This bitch is 10 minutes away from slamming a crucifix into her box. Like she looks like exorcist. She looks like exorcist to me. Your mother sucks cocks and hell. <laughs> Fuck me, Jesus. Fuck me, Jesus. Fucking whack. Whack. Fucking head first. You know? Actually, that- feet first because you're holding it like a dagger. You can hold a crucifix like a dagger, so you're going feet first at the box. Are those radiation blisters, or is that fucking? <laughs> is that or is that the mark of the gap. beast? <laughs> mark of the beast, <laughs> Beelzebub. Ugh. Holy fuck! That's what she looked like to me. Like Reagan grown up a little, you know. Yeah, you've been through the ringer. Been through the fucking ringer. Been through the ringer. Despite, despite Max von Sydow's best efforts, you're still fucking bananas. <laughs> Not a ton of positive role model, role <laughs> models in her life. Oh man, fucking Max's girlfriend peed on the rug again. <laughs> but it. I do, I do think it's kind of w- w- the final, you know, when the episode ends, and it's another good payoff for Mulder. Like, like I mentioned, um, not that I mentioned it is good, but <laughs> like that, <laughs> the episode does show us like Mulder's connection with Max. I think yep. that final thing, the fact that this whole. Because Max, Max is dead. We already know he's dead. We get some time with him. And then meeting the trailer park owner, the fact that that guy, that guy was great. has sympathy for Max is another mm-hmm. thing that's like, man, this guy who was, what a dead. sad fucking character. What a sad life. And yet, Gentle like, these, these random people in his life who, like, he touched, who, like, mm-hmm. looked at him and was like, oh, man, like. Do you know why? Here's my theory on Max. Because the people that he touched in his life, I think, went, what a genuine motherfucker. Ernest. There's some, there's some, exactly. There's something to be said about that. That, that, that. that goes a long way with people, even if they don't necessarily value it because it's undeniable. That's an undeniable characteristic. In, 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 I don't know, man. It's, Max is fucking dope. It's, it's one of the things that is probably, I mean, honestly, I've joked about it. It's not a joke. I fucking dislike most people in the world. Sure. But if there is one thing that can fucking disarm me pretty quickly, it's just being earnest. Like, I don't really care if I disagree with you, if like whatever, but if you're just a a genuine earnest person that puts yourself that way into the world, it's hard for me to hate you. Sure. Even if I disagree with almost everything about you. Right. And I think a lot of, I mean, I don't think that's uncommon to me. I'm just saying, I don't think it's uncommon. Even somebody that's, relatively like doesn't like a lot of people i think anybody would be fucking disarmed by that and For it's sure. and i think it does the, the episode does a great job it, not you know just why? max because we all aspire to that i mean some of us do <laughs> i think yeah. a lot of people aspire to to genuineness because we want that for ourselves we want to be able to look in the mirror and be honest with ourselves and often we're not and we're not, and it's tough. And when we see that in somebody else, it's like, wow, that's something to aspire to. Even if he's a guy who lives in a trailer and thinks crazy things, he's honest, and, yep. and that and that matters. And and not just honest with you, but honest with who he is. And we we are. I don't want to say we're revolted by, although it can be masked, but we are often put off by 
when somebody is dishonest with themselves, so a lot of times we don't know they're being dishonest with themselves, but we're put off by something. Our instinct, if it's strong enough, is like something's amiss here and I can't put my finger on it. And a lot of times that's what it ends up being. And, uh, and yeah, man, it's fucking cool. It's cool that he touched these people with his earnestness and genuineness and honesty. It's nice. And that's what leads to the, the payoff with this n- not sister sister is, you know, the fact that not, not bratty sis. What would you say? <laughs> I said, what? I said, she's more bratty sis. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Shut up and put this in your mouth. Um, the fact that they hurry you know, up before dad gets home. <laughs> ultimately, <laughs> all of the guys asking Mulder, like, who do I forward the mail to? Like who, who's going to, you know, who, who can take care of all his possessions? The fact yeah. that Mulder, like he doesn't know anybody. And then it's her. Like, that's why the character is worthwhile of these two episodes sure. is because there's someone to pass it on to. And I have to like the very fucking last line. She says, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly, but something about you've lost someone too. Yes. Something that's like fucking, that. That's yep. pretty fucking, that's yeah. pretty great. It's great. Another indication, as we said, the POV of characters relating to these, relating their tales and their their feelings about one of the characters is just reassurance for us, especially when it's handled with ex, expert. A plume, as it were. Yep. Will Cooper in the chat sums up what we're saying. Max's character always had an innate vulnerability to him, no pretense, just authenticity. Mm, well written, Will. I agree. Innate, innate vulnerability is a, is a good way because I think. That's a guy that has, he has no guile. He has no, I mean, not no charm, but like, he's just kind of talk about this This is a great sentence from Will. Yeah. 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 You know, vulnerability is, is, is tantamount to honesty. There's nothing more honest than vulnerability. Will. there's nothing more honest than vulnerability. And a lot of people are honest ish, but are they vulnerable? Truly. Do they take the horrors of their life and, 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 and allow their vulnerability to be out? Do they tear their fucking soul out and put it on a table in front of you and say, this is me? I don't know if that's common. I think that's super uncommon, which is why so many of us exist in life and we just all lie to each other. And I don't even mean like in, in a deceitful way, just in an in a unfortunate way. And vulnerability is, is a big one. It's tough to be vulnerable with people because we, we, we all want to be strong. And then there's people who are just too vulnerable all the time. And it's like, now you're almost using this to manipulate other people or, or, or it's fake vulnerability or whatever. But, but that is tantamount to, to, to true authenticity. And that's just such a good way to say it, Will. That's and I'll it. say it again. Max's character always had an innate vulnerability. No pretense. No pretense is big. Just authenticity. So good the, shit out of the Will. The partnership of vulnerability and authenticity. Because yes. everybody can be vulnerable or everybody can kind of be authentic mm-hmm. at different times. And – True vulnerability, really myself rare. including fucking how often is your vulnerability kind of coached right how often are you choosing how your vulnerability yeah, is presented of course all right? the time all the time that's what most mo and and the real pernicious thing is how people will utilize it to i don't want to say this i'm not because i'm not a shrink but like presenting Where, vulnerability where's dr johnson she <laughs> where's doctor where's dr come johnson? on She's, dr johnson's in session probably helping people instead of listening to this bullshit. But, um, but no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's utilizing vulnerability in a way that, uh, that, that self-serving, correct. Using yeah. it as a weapon, which is yeah, super I'm, calm. I'm familiar with it because I yeah. do it. Right. As do most people. I think yeah. if you're honest with yourself, 
and not, not necessarily like planned out like a psychopath, but like if you maybe really self-respect sometimes, sometimes, but if you self-respect and you look back and you're like, you know, fucking why do I present things in this way or that way? Like, yeah, that's part of it. You want to open up enough, but not so much that it's fucking not so much that you're really like there. Yeah. Just what you want. Yeah. That's why it has to be truly here. Here's what I think. I think real vulnerability exists in something that you can tell somebody, but a lot of people do this thing with like, I'm going to be vulnerable about X, but then that vulnerability is not special to the, to the individual they're disclosing it to because they would disclose to everybody. It's when you can tell somebody some real, some things that to make you not look as favorable as you should, to make you seem, I'm trying to think of the best way to say it. Yeah, to, when, to, to gain, when it casts to, you in a bad light. To, exactly. In, 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 in one where people are like, that's a bummer, but hey, I mean, ultimately, we always know when we're being vulnerable that we're also going to get points for the honesty. That's real sociopathy, right? We, mm-hmm. we know somebody's going to go, oh, cool, he's being honest about this. Which means he's done. Which means he's made peace with it. So now <laughs> it's fucking dark. It's all kinds of shit like that. Absence of expectation. Sure, sure. That might be a good way to say it. Will white death in chat. Vulnerability is a tool of manipulation. Yep. That's that's not vulnerability, right? Using if, it as a tool. If, if uh, fake vulnerability as a tool of manipulation. Right. Yeah. If you're if you're even if it's true, if you're exposing vulnerability with a goal, then it's not it's not authentic. Or it, but it, it is vulnerable. Or it doesn't fucking mean anything. It's not really vulnerable because you're making a deliberate choice to, to expose something to get towards something. And if you really do some self-reflection, I think everybody might be guilty of that at times. Sure. I think a little bit. Yeah. Utilizing it is a, is a, or, or just making a conscious decision to, to think value, my vote, my value of X is greater than value <laughs> is less is 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 not as great as value of y in this case vulnerability yes i'm going to expose it but what i gain in uh, it, it because of it is better than the vulnerability i'm giving up it's just a transaction i had a really i had such a hard time today i i just really i barely got through it i just have so much on my plate right now what do you like then what's the response to that right mm-hmm. fucking like that's kind of that yeah it can be i think it yeah. can be True well, vulnerability we, exists as an absence of expectation. For sure it will. For sure. We'll hold off on this until Dr. Johnson can rejoin the the fucking but No, it's yeah, it's 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 what makes Max It is. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It's just it's I'm awesome. glad we paid as much attention to, to Max because I, I literally think we mentioned him for five seconds in, in the first part of yeah, this I one. I know what to say. I didn't know what to well, say. There didn't wasn't know him. there wasn't really a lot of opportunity to. So yeah. I think it was perfect to hold it off till uh till now. For sure. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think. Um, Good shit. Good episode. Th- hey, is that about? I definitely it? love this episode. It has it has the best sequence in the Fuck show yeah. thus far, as okay. far as I can think. Before the shippers eat us alive, because we owe it to them for all the pendrel stuff. <laughs> Thoughts are you on lumping the final? me into? Are you are you putting me in the firing line with you again? No, I'm not. You're like I don't want to die alone. No, the final part, the the chat outside. With Mulder and Scully after they leave fucking crazy not sister and Scully's kind of monologue. Brady sis. Yeah. No, Brady sis. <laughs> She's Brady sis. Did this, uh, this do anything for you? This, this little 
this little monologue of, of, uh, here's, of here's here's okay. I'm gonna be. I have to level with you on this. It should have done something for me if I wasn't 12 years old, because the whole time I'm just laughing about Pendula as she says all of this stuff, and I was like, yeah, fucking awesome. He died on a sticky floor with pretzel fucking dust underneath him. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking hero. <laughs> I just was joking about it the whole time. That's my problem. So I kind of fucking trampled the monologue. So I'm going to have to bow out on the monologue opinion and listen to what you have to say. (laughs) I was not in the right headspace for it by the end of the episode. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to do what I've done a few times and I'm going to bow out my punting, punting in, in place of a listener comment. Okay. So this one from Jessica D Maria. Uh, despite the fact that I'm a shipper and I still become aggravated that Scully has to figure out the key change significance out that that Scully has to figure out the key change sig- significance out alone. I use this quote all the time. I'm a writer and I've written the final few sentences of this quote in so many of mine and my writing partner's cards slash supportive text to each other. That's become truly what we rely on when we're struggling to balance things quote that you must dare to dream, but there's no substitute for perseverance and hard work. And teamwork because no one gets there alone. So hmm. I will say that watching the episode, the monologue didn't immediately emotionally impact me. I I was thinking of I was just thinking of the episode as a whole. I was thinking back on things. I was thinking about like, man, this fucking ties it up great. This blah 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 blah. And Scully's talking, and I'm like, it's it's I like what it's saying. It just didn't hammer home. Reading it set aside, like at in a Facebook comment to be honest and then kind of like let me fucking back the episode up five minutes and watch it again Mm -hmm. i kind of got more more value out of it so i don't know what that says but i do think that's a it's a it's a great quote it's a great comment from scully it's a great insight into these two characters into where we're at right now in the show i have my my screenshot saved or my no my screenshot i literally have have the episode paused on Scully talking and you know she's in the foreground kind of blurred out Mulder's in the background looking at her with those fucking puppy yes. dog eyes and um it says a lot about where they are you know what are we fucking 90 something episodes in it's about right. um as a t- as a TV show that's a fucking lot of time with these characters they've they've gone a lot of places and uh they haven't gone here alone and i think yep. it's a it's a good it's good it's a good ending it's a good ending. For sure. Two great episodes. Yeah, you, you, you have to have this heartfelt reflection upon the events that have occurred. This is a necessary cap. Yep. And it's definitely good outside of my bullshit when I watched it. So there you have it. I like it. Um, hey, why don't you just go ahead and finish off the listener comments? I can't read another one. <laughs> why don't you on. pick one? You read them all. Go ahead. Just go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. You got this. All right. <laughs> Just All right, I'll, I'll BP you through this, okay? <laughs> um, I do want to give a shout out to Amy, Nicole Gonzalez, who in lieu of a comment, posted a beautiful picture montage of Agent Pendrel with three hearts. Except she did that weird Instagram thing where people post pictures of their father's dying hand in the ICU, and she put the one where he's getting medevaced out. You don't put that in there. Oh, well, get, listen, ask that photo. Say, that's, that's a bit much. You got to say goodbye to a hero. Okay. Okay. Listen, if you go before me, you never know. <laughs> I promise not to put your hospital photo on the fucking board. 
Jesus Christ. Listen, man. if I fucking die to hero, you better put that up and put a <laughs> hey, make it black and white and put a fucking filter on it. Sepia are one of those things that makes it look more dramatic. Sepia, so you can look like a wanted poster from the old <laughs> West. Sure. The fuck? Listen, like a hipster selfie. Yeah. If you look closely, you can see the fucking barroom floor he died on. <laughs> what is this? Fucking <laughs> South Central LA in 93? What the fuck? All right. Frank. All right. So hey. you don't have a listener comment. Let's move on. <laughs> hey, love this episode. Good shit. It's a love. It's a love from both of us. I think so. Yeah. Max is great. Um, and, uh, and Max is great. Titular right. or otherwise. Let me do, uh, let me do three stars first. Uh, I think you did last. Or, no, I'm sorry. It doesn't you matter. did it Go first for it. Last I don't time. give a shit. All right. Um, I should probably have thought about it before I said this. So I will go with, um, my three stars. I'm going to give my third star to, uh, Max Benning is played by Scott Brian. Bellis. I just said him. Scott Bellis. Um, Brendan Brazier. That's who I was thinking of. That's Adrian Pendrel. Sorry, not this time. Um, th- third star to Scott Bellis. He doesn't yep. have much, but we've talked over and over about how much you know that this character does for the show. We don't have to say it all again, but I think that he just delivers it fucking perfectly. It's not he doesn't have to do a ton, but he fucking executes it perfectly. Uh, number two, um. Going uh, Duchovny slash Mulder, character or actor. I think he's got some great moments in, the, in, the, in this episode. I do like that we've had uh, we've had a couple occasions recently to to tip our hat to Duchovny um, because sure. I, we are much more often doing it to uh, to Gillian Anderson. Mm-hmm. And I I am actually going to go with Chris Carter. Powerful, I think, for the first time. As a, as a writer. You know, the guy who made the show. I'm fucking the guy that made the show. First time <laughs> we've ever put him in three stars. Um, I I just think, man, this thing, it's even the shit that I said, like, oh, do you really need this? Do you really need this history? Yeah, you do. Because it wraps it up perfect. I, I think that th- this is lean, fucking everything, everything is there delivers it it i think it punches above its weight as a 45 minute episode of tv as a as the second part of a two-parter um and i think it, it obviously it the execution is super important but we don't always give enough credit or i don't maybe to you know the the framework and that comes down to the writing the and i think yeah. it's fucking it's there yep. so that's it good so, job yeah. good job on your three stars pal Three stars for me coming in at number three. I'm going to consider. I'm, I'm, I'm all right. Let me just out with it. I'm going Greg Michaels. He plays Scott Garrett, who is the, the villain on the plane with Mulder. Um, mm-hmm. He had a speaking role and I thought he was very convincing and he's been in both episodes and I've been watching this guy over two episodes and he delivers what he needs to deliver with a very small amount of time. It's difficult to make an impact in a short time unless you're doing something very well. And he got my attention. So the third star for me is Greg Michaels. I think he plays the cool customer very well in that little cloak and dagger exchange with Mulder. So shout out to Scott Garrett. So I thought about two quite a bit. And uh, and I think, God, this this sucks. But I guess I'm going to go David Duchovny as well as Fox. And, and you've already kind of nailed down the reasons as to why. 
Uh, and, and, and I just think across both of these episodes, he's really showcased himself in a way that makes me feel something for him in a way that is believable and also us seeing his own vulnerability. I talked till I was blue in the face about, about, about our guy Max's vulnerability, but I think Duchovny shows his here as well, even though he's trying to act in a professional, he's trying to conduct himself professionally and in a manner that suggests he's going through a difficult time because of the way he feels and we see how that feels to him. So David Duchovny, David Duchovny, number two, Fox Mulder, which leaves me with number one, I could easily say Kim Manners for the sequence of the show so far, and I probably should. However, I have to go with the titular Max because it's Max. Shit. I, I know. Scott Bellis is a good I job. like it. Do you know why? Because without Scott Bellis' performance as Max, I'm not sure I feel the same emotional impact by the end of this episode. Because I'm not thinking about small, I'm not thinking about Pendril in that final fucking thing. And I know that's shitty. But I'm not th- when 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 Scully's doing her thing. I'm thinking about guys like Max, unsung fucking heroes, guys who aren't supposed to be heroes and who might not be remembered as them. And uh, and and I think I think Scott does such a good job of making me feel something for this guy because he, even the actor, even his performance as Max is genuine enough to convince me that I do feel something for this, and it does in fact matter. And yes, the plane going down matters, but. Can you really personify that? No. Any writer on the planet isn't just going to be like, this plane crash was horrible. No. We got to find the terrorists. No. What they're going to do is they're going to make you follow a family from the day they get up and the alarm goes off a little late and they're rushing around and they pet their dog and they hug their dog walker and they say, feed them two times a day. And they're going, come on, Peggy. And the kids run to the car and we're following mom, single mom gets on a plane and it goes down. We feel for her. Right. And that's what this does for me is it personifies this, this, this fucking horrible malady that was inflicted upon us by these evil men. And, uh, and it's cool, man. I, so yeah, Scott Bellis. And I, and I know I'm giving him credit for things that he didn't control or contribute to directly, but it works for me. So there we go. I like it, dude. This was a great episode. Yeah. This was fun, man. I think, uh, we, we monologued ourselves a bit more than, think we have but i think uh i think there was some there was some good shit to talk about and yeah, uh plenty of time. i i fucking definitely enjoyed listening to some of uh some of your takes and i like that i feel like we are maybe it's somewhat deliberate because we're looking for different things at times but i think we're starting to diverge a little bit when we get down to our three stars um and in a in a way that like i enjoy like getting to hear your take and sure, and sure. Yeah. Maybe you aim a little outside when you're, when you're giving your own. So we're not on the same fucking page every single time. Right. And, and with a limited repetitive cast, there's always going to be confluence. Right? Yeah. Yep. But good shit, man. Yeah. Yep. 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 Good it's times. a love for easy for easy. So next time we meet, what are we watching? What's the episode called? Episode 19 mm-hmm. of season four. <laughs> synchrony synchrony huh synchrony all right you want to do a teaser yeah hit me a with mysterious synops a mysterious old man is killing scientists working on the development of a cryobiologic compound he freezes them to death with the same compound that doesn't even exist yet dun, dun, dun. That's, I, that's imdb's writing <laughs> yeah 
Couldn't you tell? Really? Super well written. <laughs> I was like, who wrote that? That's a weird fucking <laughs> sentence. <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't uh, even occurred yet. Wink. Yuck. Wink. Oof. Hey, edit that one. <laughs> That's terrible. Not that I'm fucking, uh, you know, fucking Wordsworth over here, but fuck. Oh. All right. That about We're going to get out of here. That about does it. We'll see you guys soon. Thank you for tuning in. And thanks for everybody in the chat. Maja, of course, local Audrey, Hapa, Will Koopa, the Dancing Magus, Roger, Don, Carolyn, and, uh, of course, BP9000. And the rest of you that were in there earlier that I failed to mention, um, but you guys know here, Sir Tom, shout out to him for stopping by. That was awesome. It's good to see him and uh, and the rest of you lovely, lovely people. Who did we miss? Anybody who was piping up a little bit there? Kay Curry. Uh, good to see you. Justin Overdorf, of course. And... Uh, Dancing Magus, Magus, Canuck and Crazy. You guys know who you are. Glendy was here earlier. All right, we're going to get out of here. Boys and girls, it's been a blast. What do you, uh, what do you want to do in the X-Files uh, tradition, Josh? What do you want to say to these good people? Oh, Christ. His name was Sean Pendrell. <laughs> Is it Sean? His name... I didn't even know his first was name. ...was Sean Pendrell. Ready! <laughs> Aim! I didn't even Fire! know Hey, real quick, buddy. Good night, sweet prince. You got a better chance of seeing Bin Laden in Arlington than him. (laughs) Take it easy. By LSG Media. Visit us on the web at libertystreetgeek.net. That's libertystreetgeek.net. Mm-hmm.